Hello and welcome to the Home Roots Podcast, where we feature cross-country check-ins with artists, producers, industry folks, community folks, house concert hosts, and impresarios who make up the interwoven network of music lovers, balladeers, and tune makers across the globe. It's been a long, cold winter, with days so dull and gray. Left me so downhearted. I had the blues most every day, but that golden sun's a shining, and summer's finally here. At last, I'm free to do what I've been dreaming of all year. Lying in my hammock, a warm and sunny day. Swaying while I'm strumming, strumming while I sway. You know there's nothing better to pass the time away than ukulele playing in the shade. I hear those bumblebees are buzzing their sleepy summer song. Morning glories are a-waving And the grass is getting long But I'm gonna stay right here at Strongman Cause it's where I do belong Just ukulele playing in the shade Now you might think I'm lazy Just lying here all day Some might even think I'm crazy Spending all my time this way Well, let them talk about it You know, I don't care if they do I'm gonna stay here swaying Playing till the summer days are through You can take your fine vacation Like some fancy movie star but me, I'm staying right here I don't even need a car Cause I'm happy in my hammock I'm not going very far Just ukulele playing in the shade Even say I'm crazy Spending all my time this way We'll let them talk about it You know I don't care if they do I'm gonna stay here swaying Playing till the summer days are through You can take your fine vacation Like some fancy movie star But me I'm staying right here 
I don't even need a car Cause I'm happy in my hammock I'm not going very far Just ukulele playing in the shade That's what I'll be doing Ukulele playing in the shade That sweet little number was by Kate Ferris, who's going to be our guest on the interview today. As usual, we're checking in with our friends around the country who are weathering this COVID storm at a time when musicians can't get gigs or at least hustling them was harder than it ever was. Uh, and Kate's going to talk a little bit about how she's managed to navigate this and and keep one major aspect, at least, of, of her uh of her regular musician life on the rails. And uh, so, yeah, without further ado, here's our interview with Kate Ferris. And we're back on the Home Roots Podcast. Our guest today in interview is Kate Ferris. Welcome, Kate. How are you? Hey, I'm, I'm just great. I'm great, Jackson. Glad oh, to be here. Good. Well, I'm glad to have you here. It's been fun hosting the show, and we've been talking to so many different people that have been innovators during this intensely trying uh, you know uh tumultuous time in our world and uh you're just one of uh, of a large group of folks that have been figuring out a way to navigate this and and not to disrupt your your uh your world too much so we'll talk about that but just in case our audience doesn't know you as well as i do tell us something about yourself kate how about what you know, what, how you define yourself as an artist and maybe where that inspiration originated in your life. Well, uh, gee, that's always, that's always hard. You know, when they say occupation on the form and there's a blank and I go, I don't know. And at one point I put down slasher and they just looked at me, but I meant, yeah, singer slash songwriter slash, you know, so I guess I'm a slasher. But um, I've, I've always performed. Uh, I joke that the first performance, I was five, and a bus got stuck in a snowstorm, and I got up and made an original song, much to my mother's, mother's embarrassment. But I said, I must have done okay, because there were three nuns, and one of them gave me a, a chocolate bar. So I was hooked from then on. <laughs> and uh, I'm from rural Manitoba. I'm from a farm north of Holland, Manitoba, and they had... Uh, fortunately, a, a couple really excellent teachers, uh, Myrtle Young, the voice teacher, and, and uh, Joan McLeod, the piano teacher. And so my parents were really great at, at uh, noticing that I, I really needed to do music. So I was able to uh, take private lessons. There was no music in school where I went. Uh, they started just after I left, which I thought was incredibly rude. But anyway, <laughs> you know, it's like, what? You were waiting for me to go? Um, and, and then uh, I, I was taking more music. In, uh, I went to Brandon University, and I started playing in coffee houses and uh, jamming around with people, and, and I really loved it. My first year university uh, roommate was a really good guitar player, and I knew about three chords. And so anytime either of us would pick up a guitar, the other would stop working. And it what didn't do much for our grades, but I learned a lot of guitar. And uh, <laughs> then I went up to Thompson and I was in Thompson for 11 years. I was teaching elementary music. And while I was there, I started a, a coffee house, candlelight coffee house. 
And it was every Sunday night from September to the May long, every Sunday night for four years, I did that, <laughs> trying to get people out. And, uh, and, but so of course I had to play and, and I try and find people. And sometimes we'd have, you know, six or seven people and sometimes we'd have two, but that was great. And from that, there was a nucleus of people who started the Thompson Folk Festival. And we um, had that at that point, uh, I was at a, a folk festival and in, you know, the little write up they write about us Jackson when we perform, it said, uh, <laughs> Kate Ferris is a dyed in the wool folky who teaches school on the side. And I thought, Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that's sort of the way it's going. So I, uh, much to, uh, to the dismay of, of my family, I, I quit teaching and moved down to Winnipeg. And that was in 85. And I said, I'd give myself two years to try and see if I could survive as a musician. And all of a sudden I realized that it had been three and I thought, okay, I'll give myself two more. And, and that was, like I said, that was 1985. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, it's been up and down. I'm, I'm sort of, um, I'm, I'm happy with what I've done. I've done some really cool things. And then, you know, for, for years I did the children's festival circuit across Canada and I was with Canadian content. I was with the Blarney band for 12 years doing all that sort of thing. And then, uh, well, actually it was partly because I got, I married my husband, Fred Casey, who, you know, and, and, uh, he's a luthier and he builds instruments. And there was a musician, uh, Manitoba Hal Broland who, decided in 2004, I believe, to have a ukulele expo. And he was way ahead of his time. It was really poorly attended, but he asked Fred if he would build some ukuleles to have on display. And at the time, I just sat at the table with Fred and I kept watching this one ukulele and I thought, if somebody buys that, I'm going to cry. So I bought it and I paid full <laughs> price. And I started playing with the ukulele i wouldn't say i played it i played with it you know it wasn't really a serious thing for a couple of years and then um, when fred retired his retirement dream was that we would attend this uh, aloha music camp in hawaii and i thought well what am i going to do you know while he's at camp so i thought well i might as well sign up for some classes i've got a ukulele so and it was like all of a sudden the clouds broke and the sun came through. I had this amazing teacher, um, Mark Nelson, who's, uh, I mean, he's fantastic dulcimer player, but ukulele, he's just a great teacher. And uh, I went into advance thinking, well, I'll try one class and I'll, I'll go out. Fred bet me. He said, I'll, I'll go in advanced uh, guitar, slack key guitar, if you go in advanced uke. And I thought, well, one class and I'll be out of there. And it wasn't. And all of a sudden I thought, hey, you know, I think I can do this. So that was, I started using it. And, and now Jackson, I mean, you're such, a, a, such an amazing banjo player. But do you find when you, it, it, when you use different instruments, do you find you write different styles in different ways? Absolutely. I, I find that's a great way to sort of spice up your, your repertoire is to move from instrument to instrument as a writing tool, right? And because, yeah, the banjo will inspire something different melodically, something different rhythmically than the guitar will. Or I used to like having a piano around, like really terrible piano player, but the rudiments <laughs> I, you know, of a song I could eke out and there was always 
yeah, different kind of inspiration came from the sounds that surround you and your songwriting. So I, can, I so entirely agree with that approach. Yeah, and then when I got the ukulele, all of a sudden I found I was writing a different style, like you say, and and I was coming up with different sounds and different, um, because I'm self-taught. I mean, I it, Fred sometimes says I play guitar and ukulele like a piano player. And I didn't know what he meant, but he said, yeah, you use voicings that aren't standard. And um, and then I got, oh, it, I don't know if you have one, but you should have one. I got uh, a banjo uke as well. And, it, <laughs> you know, it sounds, because I, I had a banjo that I played really badly, but I used it for storytelling. And uh, all of a sudden, I've got this little cute little banjo, and I really started writing stuff with it. And, uh, I mean, it's just exciting. All of a sudden, it was the cobwebs got swept out, and, and I was inspired to do it. I, I was feeling pretty stale, you know. And this, it was just uh, energizing all of a sudden. And then I got asked, I guess because I started using the ukulele um, a little more when I performed, I got asked if I would teach a class. Uh, another uh, organization asked if I would teach a class, and I thought, why would they ask me? I mean, <laughs> you know, well, I'm not. And and uh, because I don't live in Winnipeg, I thought, uh, do I really want to do it? So... I said, okay, if you can get a dozen people, I'll do it. And they got 25 right off the wow. hop. And it, it was crazy. And they were rabid. And they were some of the nicest people I, I have ever met in my life. And they were just nuts. And uh, they were very forgiving because I'd be like, you know, the tuning is different. The, the finger shapes are the same, but the tuning's different. So I'd be going, okay, so C, F. D and they go D and I go I mean I'm sorry I was thinking in guitar I mean it's, you know it was just crazy and um, I just I was just picking up things that I I looked around I looked online I found a few ideas and it was only six weeks I said I'd do it for six weeks and at the end of the six weeks two hour six two hour courses uh, everybody said so when's the next one. And went, well, this this was it. And I went, no, no. And it's well, okay, I'll do a, a uke too. And they signed up. And then we finished that. And they, they just said, well, now what? And I went, I don't know. And uh, so we started the group that Fred calls Gluttons for Punishment, and that's uke three. And some of them have been with me right from the beginning. They're I don't, you know, they're great. They've become friends. And you know what it's like, Jackson, when you, there's this, this thing when you share music with people that it's, it's a bond, even if you don't know them well at the beginning, there's this bond. I mean, don't you find that? It's Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I can have met someone, but if I played music with someone, you know, that's, I'm not going to forget that, you know, that's going to, yeah. yeah, it's going to impress upon me an extra depth of, of sort of appreciation for someone. I thought I find it's, it is a bond. It's totally a bond. It really is. And, and with me, and I'm, I know this is probably true with, with any musician that, that shows someone else how to play. Um, it's, it's very humbling. It's sort of an honor. A lot of my students, Jackson are, um, uh, a lot of them are seniors. I seem to have a, a mix. There will be students that will be, um, say, in the 20s to mid-30s, and then there are a whole bunch that are over 50. Wow. 
And some of them, Audrey, in the first group, she was in her, I think she was 81. And a lot of them say, I've always wanted to play an instrument. And I tried piano or I tried guitar or I whatever, and I couldn't do it. And, and I want to play music for my grandkids or I want to, I want to be able to jam with my friends at the campfire. And um, one one of my first students is now the president of the ukulele club of Winnipeg. And he came in and he said, uh, my wife is pregnant with our first child and I want there to be live music in our house when the baby's born. You know, it's just to be a part of that and to, to feel that you're, you're able to, to give them something that they'll, that'll make their life happier. I don't know. I don't want to use happy because everyone says, oh, the ukulele is such a happy little instrument, but it makes people happy. I think that's what they mean. So. Oh, that's the, it's the gift of teaching, right? It's, it's, and it's interesting to hear you say that, you know, you were, you felt like maybe it was odd that they chose you to do, do that. It means that you didn't feel like you were, at a level of mastery with the instrument when you began this process. But I have to think, and I know you're too humble to ever admit you're a master, but I imagine that you've grown a lot as a ukulele player in the process of teaching. Cause I've always found nothing reinforces the real meat and potatoes like teaching, right? Oh, you, you never learn as much as when you're teaching. And, and especially with, um, you know, you, I, I'll, I'll be looking at things and I'll think, okay, how would that, how could I make that simpler for the people that are beginning? Or what about the students that have mobility problems in their hands? How could, how could we do that? Or, or um, yeah, it's just, and, and with the, the Uke 3 group, I go, man, they're getting good. I've really got to work or they're going to, I mean, they're, they're going to end up leading the class. Yeah. You never <laughs> learn as much as when you teach, you know, but there's this, I don't, I have it. I, I've heard it, the Cinderella complex. You figure at some point the, the clock's going to strike midnight and boof, you're in your rags and the, the coach is a pumpkin, you know? And um, so if I don't want it, that to happen, I've got to keep working. <laughs> <laughs> I have had that experience before where the student just excels so quickly. Honestly, I, I think the last year of lessons, it was just jamming. We were, we were just jamming. I was getting paid to jam with him. There was nothing but, for me to teach anymore. <laughs> but isn't that cool? I mean, it was oh, like, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and watching the progress is wonderful. And, and I always tell them, you're like me. I said, you tend to see what you can't do rather than what you can do. And it's one of these things where you think, oh, I can't do that. So uh, Fred is always, he always comes to the classes uh, with me and he has a classical guitar background. So sometimes he'll say, well, if you've got large hands, try this or whatever. But the, the main thing is he always says, add the word yet. So uh, I can't play. People hate B flat on the, on the ukulele. If they haven't played guitar, guitar, pff, it's an F. But um, if I get any complaining, it's B flat. And, and so we say, they say, I can't play B-flat. And I go, yet. You know, I can't play a bar chord, yet. And, and, and I tell them, like, when, when I was learning guitar, I said, I don't care what they say, F is a physical impossibility. And then I learned to play an F. So I said, <laughs> yeah, but that's the people that play a bar chord F, that they're just making it up. That's a physical impossibility. And then I learned how to play a bar chord F. So we just add yet to everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, so now you've painted this picture for us of this incredibly rich community experience where you get together with people in a live setting and you share your experience and your expertise. But our audience must be listening to this going, well, but, but, but how do you manage to continue to do this in this modern age where we can't have uh, your, re- your initial request of a dozen together, even let alone your, your eventual 25 that show up for a class. So I think that, you know, we can all imagine how you've translated this, but that's the, that's an incredibly interesting part of the story that something you built that I'm sure you imagined in that moment couldn't exist outside of this very live uh, interactive experience. Right. But. Oh yeah. I mean, every day I lost, you know, that gig's gone. Then the next day, Oh, that festival's gone. And then eventually there's nothing. And, and I thought, well, okay, uh, I guess I'm retired. <laughs> and thank heavens for Home Roots because you guys at Home Roots are so great. And they said, well, you know, you could try doing it online. And I went, well, how? You know, and they said, well, Zoom. And I went, Zoom? <laughs> What's Zoom? You know, I, I knew nothing about it. And uh, they said, try it out, try it out. And Grant, bless his soul, he he got on. He said, let's do a couple trial runs. And, and um uh, I managed and, and, you know, only shed a few tears. So I thought, okay, I can try this. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that I've got it flawless by any means. <laughs> the first class with the beginners two weeks ago, I was sitting there going, no one's coming. No one's coming. And I got a phone call from one of the students saying, they say you're on another meeting and we're all waiting to go on. Oh, sorry. You know, so, um, but no, uh, Homer said, well, try it, try, try it online. And so I thought, okay. And I had no idea it would take off like it did. Huh. Well, I, it doesn't surprise me that lessons are, you know, are sort of less encumbered by this medium than a lot of other aspects of exchanging music because it is really challenging to simultaneously play with someone but the lesson experience is so much a call and response or state something attempt something it's so much of a back and forth so yeah it makes sense that it would work that way but are you 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 don't find that it really even impedes much your ability to get across to that group and of course it's not the same as being in a room with people but when the is the larger uh, ensemble still pretty manageable with the internet? Yeah, because it's I've got 45 students at this point uh, spread over the three levels. The largest group, the Uke 2, uh, there are 19 of them. And um, it's very hard because, as you know, there's a lag. So we can't all play together. So they can hear me, but I can't hear them. And in a way, it's like, uh, I don't know, standing in front of a mirror, <laughs> because you can and, and especially, uh, you know, we're out in the country, and the other night, everybody except one person froze. So not only could I not hear them play, but they were, you know, I mean, they could, you couldn't see that, but they were, they were frozen too. And I just thought, oh man, I mean, they might be going for coffee or something or having a beer. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
And of course, you can't go over to the table and say, no, move your finger there. It's so in that way, I find it my regular what I call my real classes were two hours long. My Zoom classes are one hour. And I find that I put as much energy into the one hour on Zoom as I did in a two hour in-person class, just because you're tr I'm trying so hard to make it clear, you know, and holding up, trying to hold my hands up so they can see what I'm doing. And, and uh, it's, it's really demanding. I think I'm, I'm getting better at it all the time. I hope, I hope. Sorry, Jackson, you, you asked questions of a storyteller and just <laughs> like having, oh, that cough is harmless, by the way. <laughs> sure is from this distance. <laughs> I know, yeah. Oh, really? Well, you know, and, and it's it's interesting because, like I said, um, some of my, my students are, are seniors, and they're learning Zoom right along with me. So some of them are thrilled. And then, like you said, it makes it accessible. Um, 11 o'clock last night, I got an email from a woman in McCreary who said, I'd, I'd like to start. I know I've missed two, but I, I'd like to start, you know, and I've got a woman in San Francisco and one in Victoria and Kingston, Ontario, and some in Selkirk and some in St. Laurent and one, oh, a couple in Nepal. So, I mean, I would never have that normally, you know? That's so true. That's, I mean, that is the sort of really earth shattering aspect of how the reality of putting your real world experience into the internet. It's like all of a sudden, all those proximity and geographical boundaries no, lo no longer matter at all. So that's incredibly cool. That's an incredibly cool part about it. It makes me think of, I know so many groups of people that they don't necessarily live together, but they're culture is to meet at these events throughout the year and they ha it's just you know blow out the doors jam time you know jam 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 all yeah. weekend long and those people are being so deprived right now from of that experience but that's almost something you could do in this format where that campfire jam is kind of very doable in the zoom format because as long as the, the people playing along are muted everyone <coughs> has that that one person to sort of play along to. And then you can do that, pass the guitar to the next person on the meeting and then they can lead through a song. You know, I think it's something that I know quite a few people might be willing to give that a try just to scratch an itch, if you will. Oh, I think so. And, and yeah, when you were talking about community, I remember when I lived in Thompson, there were a group of us from Thompson and Flin Flon that would meet down in the campground at Birds Hill Park for, at the folk festival every year. And, and it was just, it was Mecca, you know, and, uh, and we'd get there. And then once I started performing at the folk festival, I mean, going to the jams after it would be, <laughs> you know, that's what I live for. I mean, I love performing, but man, getting to play with some of the other performers was just, it blew my mind. I remember one time um, with the Blarney Band, we were to play at a, a festival in, in Drummondville, Quebec, and we had to fly out on the Monday morning. And one of the members, I, that was when they had the par after parties at the International Inn. And I was leaving the International Inn at seven in the morning to go home and get changed and grab my bag as one of the band members came walking in and went, we leave in two hours. And I go, yeah, yeah, I'm going home. I was just playing all night, you know? And, and uh, well, you know, and, and I mean, it doesn't take any encouragement at all to get musicians to jam. So 
Uh, My favorite uh, ones, that's always true of. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> and okay, we kind of skipped. We, yeah, yeah. Well, bluegrass, it's, <laughs> it's what, that's the whole entire culture is jamming. Those bluegrass festivals, yeah. it, it's irrelevant who's on stage because everyone it's, who's attending is in the campground jamming together. <laughs> near and dear to my heart. I played in a bluegrass trio once up, up in Thompson and we wouldn't give ourselves a name. So they put in the program, they put at uh, the folk festival, they put frog legs, tea and pierogies because it was uh, John Leclerc, Kate Ferris, and, and Manuel Nakanechny. And they put us on at five o'clock and everyone thought it was a supper break and they left. I mean, it was crazy, you know? <laughs> oh. So I think that Home Roots will continue to facilitate this online format i mean it was home roots who was kind of they were offering the the platform to you at, at the before the covid clampdown happened right so it, you went from sort of developing the model uh with a different organization then home roots provided an opportunity when that fell through for the thing to continue on and yeah. now for the foreseeable future this will remain online and one thing that we seem to be gleaning from the experience of the people we're interviewing on the show and also what we're seeing happen with the Home Roots organization itself is that all these new digital developments that we're putting time into and all these new disciplines we're learning, they're all going to embolden the thing that we present in the future too. So when it, we take this back to the live stage, there's going to still be an opportunity for you say to come to Winnipeg and still get in a room with 12 to 25 people, but still have the San Francisco woman and the person from McCreary and the person from Brandon and the person from Oakville or whoever it is, right. They're all yeah. going to be able to come and attend. So it's like, it's, there's as much as this is, been painful and as much as this is disheartening to in, from so many angles there are these little amazing opportunities that in you know the nature of any crisis there are these these little golden opportunities for a positive change and i think that all of us becoming a little better at content creation and all being a little bit better at presenting ourselves in the digital realm is only going to make what we have to offer more relevant and more accessible. So I think it's from that angle, I'm really excited by what's going on. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you to be able to go back to environment that you learn to love this, but also still hopefully bring with it all of these gains that you're making right now, being able to do this, uh, you know, remotely. I, I think it will. And I mean, face it, who are who are some of the most innovative people in the world? It's musicians because we've always had to try and come up with some, some angle or some hook to, to make job, to get work. You know, it, it used to, at the beginning, it was so hard, like, oh, hi, I'm, I'm Kate Ferris. I'm a singer songwriter. Uh, gee, there's only a couple thousand more like me out there. You have to choose me. I mean, you, you have to come up with some sort of angle. You know, and and uh, so I think at, at first, I think we were all shell shocked, don't you? I mean, oh, yeah. When all of a sudden we saw our calendars with big scribbled out marks on all over the place, we went, what what am I going to do? What what am I going to not just from a financial angle, although that's like 
that's obviously really, really important. But also just from a, a creative angle and from a, a, like we've said, Jackson, it's, you know, a sharing angle. You know, you we feed off each other. <laughs> that connection. Musical vampires, right? You know, absolutely. When when we crave that connection, we we we've sort of run our lives on that connection. In, yeah. In for so long. Like I, I think of the cranky festival, the the, the homeroots, the cranky festival. Uh, both of those, I came home. I was walking off the ground. I mean, I was just so pumped, and I saw this, and I thought, whoa, I could. You know what? There, I could do something like that, change it, you know, or just getting to hear different people. And, and it's, it's, like, um, it's like the biggest vitamin in the world, I think, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. Well, Kate, I, I thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today about your experience and how you've made a, a tremendously successful, I think from most perspectives, pivot uh, and a, a able to continue to do something that was really important to you before, you're still able to do it. I hope that the rest of it comes back online <laughs> as soon as possible. <laughs> but uh, I really think that our audience is starting to get hooked on these stories of perseverance in the face of you yes. know, doom and gloom. <laughs> and uh, I, you've provided another one for us today. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, and you have to, it's, it's really important, I think, to, to look for as many positives in this as possible rather than the, the negatives. And so for me, I'm going, hey, we don't have to travel on number eight in the wintertime several times a week to get to Winnipeg. I, I just have to go from the kitchen to this room. So, you know, there's <laughs> always a bright side, right? Oh, I'm pathetic, aren't I? I'm just Pollyanna. I haven't missed customs or airport security <laughs> at all. Or loading the gear. Loading, or loading the gear. The gear. You know? <laughs> and I mean, musicians will, will all be wealthy, right? Because we're saving so much on gas. <laughs> just, I don't know. It'll almost, almost pay for all those plane tickets and stuff that got canceled. <laughs> Oh man. But I, I and the the other the big positive for me is I've been able to see performers that I respect and and just love and I've been able to see them on like that I maybe couldn't afford the ticket when they were in town, but but I can see them, you know. Or I get to talk to them like I'm talking to you, you know. It's sort of like, oh Jackson, yeah, this is great. <laughs> I agree. Well, the silver lining, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. So Kate, what's next? Uh, what's, what's next for you and, and what you're offering? Going to keep on keeping on. Um, the, uh, right now we're well into the, into the term. This, uh, this will be the third, third set of classes out of 10. Um, I intend to start the, the next term through Home Roots, of course, uh, probably around the third week of third or fourth week of January, and we'll have the three levels again: the beginner, the the uke one, the uke two, and the uke three. And um, go to the Home Roots website, go to uh, ukulele classes, and they should be able to find it. And which is great because I've actually started a small waiting list of people that wanted to get in this time, but felt that they've missed the first couple classes. They'd rather wait till January. So, so I'll. I'll be here. Where where else am I going to be? I'm going <laughs> to, I'll be here. <laughs> well, there you have it. People need to tune in then. They need to get their ukulele on. 
That's right. Absolutely. It's, it's dangerous, you know, because there's UAS, ukulele acquisition syndrome. You, they're like peanuts. Very few ukulele players only have one ute. They just, you know. Yeah, they're easier to find space for than an upright bass, I guess. They are, yeah, really. Actually, Fred <laughs> built a, an acoustic bass ukulele, and we were playing in Assiniboine Park one time, uh, just with the, the uke club that gotten together for a strum, and we were near the Leo Mall Garden, and I forgot there's the jazz that plays there on Sundays, and Fred is sitting there with his little uh, uke, which is just sounds like an upright, but this little uke, and the guy from the jazz ensemble goes walking by, lugging his upright. And Fred just sort of looked at him and lifted his up and smiled. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not saying ukes don't have a sort of a snarky side, you players. <laughs> yeah, banjo players and uke players, we're not, just, we're not just the brunt of jokes and about making you happy, you know. Exactly. And you're not just pretty faces. <laughs> Yeah, fun. this was this was great, Jackson. It was really yeah, nice to catch up with you, Kate. It is, it is, and you know, I haven't haven't. Well, <laughs> none of us have seen each other play for a while, but uh, exactly, it's really good, you know. And uh, we're all in the same boat. We're all finding our way through this thing. So in that way, it's a bit of a unif unifier too, you know. Yes. Exactly. You know, so yeah. Well, thanks, guys. I I really appreciate uh, having a chance to be on. Yeah, well, thanks for the chat. It was, it's just, I don't know, that we're, I, I feel like we're just lucking into this series of interviews that are all so, everybody's experience is different and interesting as its own story, but there's like this interconnecting thing that COVID has done to everybody. It's just like everyone has an interesting experience to share, I feel like, and it's just... Uh, kind of I'm, I'm really loving this i think we we pulled out this as a concept because we didn't know what we we're going to make our this podcast about and it just seems like we can kind of have any interview we want and this topic is going to intervene you know what i mean it's like whether yeah. we intended to talk about any of this or not this was what was going to end up in the conversation so it's just kind of it's just kind of cool and every just made everything seem so natural. It's all these conversations have just felt really natural. Like I'm just yeah, it's we're just like hanging we could, out. We could hang yeah, hanging out and having a beer and sitting in the living room and talking. Exactly. And and it's it, what what I find interesting is at least in, on my end, I mean I'm I'm not a big fish, but uh there isn't the sense of competition. Even though there might be two or three live performances on the same flip a night you know and you're going ah oh, which one <clears throat> or you find out oh i'm doing this and at the same time they're doing that it's sort of like yay go for it you know yeah. uh, you know we all want each other to be okay so so true yeah you know, yeah and uh you know like i did this thing this morning with with uh, marcy marcusa and Romy sent a note because I mentioned how I'm normally up till 2.30 or 3 and, and this was at 7, 7.30. And, and she said, yeah, I feel you. I did one at 6.50 in the morning. It's like, <laughs> it's like, but we'll do it, you know, but oh, man. Yeah. So, That's yeah. not musician time. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's wild. 
I jumped in the truck just as your interview portion was ending and they cut to the song. Oh. Uh, it's like, I'm like, I knew instantly it was you. I was like, oh, that's serendipitous. We must be doing an interview with Kate tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. And hey, I mean, you know, it's, it's up to the individual watching or listening to wonder whether or not we've got pants on. So, I mean, it's, it's all fine, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be frank. The answer with me is about 95% of the time. No, no. Yeah, if you can't, exactly. if you can't see above my waist. It's probably no pants. Yeah. yeah, that's it. You know, you could even just wear like a <laughs> shoulder cape or something. <laughs> someone someone said they've got a pair of pants on the, on a hook at the door. So that if someone comes to the door, they've got door pants. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. that sounds right. That sounds right. Door pants. You might have to just market that in this time. Available oh, on yeah. Amazon. Door pants. Yeah. They come with a hook already installed. So you just hook yes. them on the doorknob. One size fits all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, things can deteriorate so quickly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Watch out. So when I know it's not rolling, I'm bad enough when I know it's rolling. It's when I know it's not rolling. Yeah. So stay safe, you guys, and stay well. You too, Kate. Okay. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This Home Roots podcast just uh, gets more and more fun, I swear. I'm, I'm feeling more comfortable, and I think it's making me a little bit easier to relate to the folks. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm just looking forward to more and more of these interviews. So if you keep tuning in, I think there's a pretty good chance we'll keep making these episodes. So hope you have enjoyed this one with Kate Ferris. And thanks to Grant Simpson for uh, working all the behind-the-scenes dials and knobs. We'll see you next time on the Home Roads Podcast. I'm Jackson Holding. Well, you know, when I cough, <coughs> I thought of this thing that, that you, maybe you saw it. Someone said, remember how we used to cough to cover up a fart? And <laughs> now we <laughs> fart to cover up a cough. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no I didn't cough <clears throat> no that was a <laughs> it was the dog it was a <laughs> oh man